TDN Fantasy. The TDN Fantasy Fantasy Podcast. With your hosts, Paige Demakos, Jamie Eisner, and Jake Arians. Welcome into the TDN Fantasy Podcast. Paige Demakos, Jamie Eisner today. No Jake Arians. He's hanging out in Costa Rica. That's... Uh, lucky, lucky, lucky dog having having a good time over in Costa Rica. So you just get the two of us today. We are getting into our bold fantasy football takes, our bold NFL takes, and a little bit of news and notes at the top of the podcast today. I like to start off with something positive here because usually we're starting off our news and notes with injury news and contract news and holdout news and helmet news and helmet gate. So Mm. today we are talking about the fact that Emmanuel Sanders will play in tonight's football game, which is preseason game, which is great news. A lot of excitement about Emmanuel Sanders. Obviously he was we from a talent perspective, Jamie and I both love this guy. Okay. Uh, But he was out of the rankings coming into the season because his injury happened in December, Jamie? Yeah, it was late in the season. And it, this is not an ACL, not to, again, not to downplay ACL injuries, even though we seem to now. This is an Achilles injury. Yeah. Like, this is a usually a 12 to 16 month injury. Think of like a Tommy John type yes. time frame for these guys. The fact that he's on the field right now is remarkable. Yeah, it's a, it's a huge deal that he's worked himself back to be healthy. Kudos to him. Everybody that is in Denver has said, he has been doing some crazy stuff to get himself back, right? Very determined, uh, trying new, trying new stuff. I think he was doing potentially some of the 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 stem cell stuff, the oxygen tank, like doing some of the stuff that LeBron has done. Um, listen, that stuff works. Go overseas. I, I, go, I mean, Kobe did it, right? Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of new technology. Uh, I can tell you about on a on a different podcast because my brother uses a lot of this technology to get himself back and and being healthy. But listen, at the end of the day, Emmanuel Sanders will play in a preseason game. We will see him. Uh, kudos to him for working so hard to getting his body back to where he can play. But from a fantasy perspective, Jamie, what do you need to see from him? What are you looking for, and how are you evaluating him? I, all honestly, I don't know if I'm going to glean anything off of this preseason game. I need him to be out there and not leave with an injury, and I think that's all I need to see. There's always going to be risk of re-injury in the area, not necessarily his Achilles, which again is is a risk. But in the calf area, does he have some strain? You know, if that muscle isn't fully healthy, you have to compensate with other muscles around it. It's a pretty common understanding. I'm no doctor. I'm playing one on the podcast, but. These are just common things you watch from watching sports. You kind of know what these injuries are. Right now, uh, a little sneak peek. My rankings will come out tomorrow morning on thedraftnetwork.com as they do every Tuesday morning in the offseason and every Tuesday morning when weekly rankings start happening during the regular season. So make sure you, you bookmark that and check it every single week. But he's going to be my number 43 wide receiver. And it's just more of a fact that there are a lot of good wide receivers in that middle tier, a lot of upside guys that I can't quite put them above yet. But And there's a high risk of re-injury for him when you get into the season. But he's been extremely productive when he's been on the field. The quarterback play in Denver is going to be better than it has been the last couple of years. It's not going to be awesome. I don't think Joe Flacco is elite. No, but or, it's going to be consistent. Yes, it's going to be a lot better than the Paxton Lynch's of the world who RIP after that hit last night. By the way, Holton Hill is going to get cut, so the suspension won't matter for that yeah. hit on Paxton Lynch. But Paxton Lynch, Trevor Simeon, you know, Case Keenum was fine. Uh, in that role. But Joe Flacco can be that, and he has the ability to spike certain games. Manuel Sanders has been extremely productive with poor quarterback play there. I'm, he is somebody that, if he stays healthy for the full season, he's going to be a wide receiver too. He could be a steal for you. i just not super confident he's going to stay healthy all year. But, you know, take a chance on him. If you're outside the top 35, top 40 wide receivers – I mean, he's no riskier than a lot of the other guys that are going there, and he's been productive when he's on the field. Yeah, you know, you know that he can be a top tier wide receiver because you've seen it. He's he's proven it. But this injury is serious. Him coming back so soon is great, but also makes me a little bit more hesitant in drafting him because it makes me think it could be re-injured very easily. So take take caution when when you're evaluating him and when you're drafting him. If he's getting drafted in later rounds. It's a flyer. You're taking a risk. You know what you're signing up for, and it could turn out to be a great gamble for you long term. Eighth, ninth round is kind of where I'm thinking about him yep. right now, where if you want to take the shot, if you're particularly weak at wide receiver, and this goes back into draft strategy, 
I, I did an auction draft over the weekend where I went super running back heavy just because I'm very concerned about the running back landscape right now. I ended up with, this is a league where you play two running backs and two flex. So I ended up with Kamara. I ended up with Dalvin Cook. I have both those guys as running back. James White, Derrick Henry at flex spot, but it left me weak at wide receiver. Now, I couldn't quite get to Manuel Sanders. I didn't have enough money left, but if you're in a redraft league, these are the upside guys you want to grab late if you're weak at the position. Maybe you went running back, running back, running back to start your draft. At that point, I want, I'm going to reach a little bit for an A.J. Green. I'm going to reach a little bit for a Golden Tate. I'm going to reach a little bit for Emmanuel Sanders because if they're healthy or not suspended and on the field in the later part of the season – they're going to be really productive for you, and they might put up wide receiver two or flex numbers for you. Don't go safe at a position you're weak at. Go high upside at a position you're weak at for your bench. Good fantasy uh, draft advice as drafts continue to roll on here. Uh, listen, we have the good news. Now we got the bad news. The bad news being DK Metcalf, uh, fan favorite at the Draft Network. We love DK. Uh, is needing knee surgery. Now, it seems minor. Uh, Pete Carroll said not to worry about it, but that's his job as a head coach. My job as a fantasy analyst for you is to tell you when to worry. Now, with DK here, my concern is, and I talked to the guys at the Draft Network about this, he plays at such a big, he, he's a big guy. He's a, He weighs a lot. He's strong. He's physical, which are all positive attributes when we were watching him at the Combine. It's also not a good thing on your knees. He's a big guy. That is a little concerning with this knee injury. Obviously, we also haven't seen him play in the NFL yet with Russell Wilson. I'm excited to watch DK, but does this mean you drop him off your board for drafting right now, Jamie? No, but he's going to drop into now rounds like 12, That's round right 13 thought. for me. Uh, he's now outside my top 50 receivers. The, the concern is you don't want like rookies that are losing reps in camp because David Moore is a player that has shown some chemistry with Russell Wilson last year. That was poor English, but I don't care. You know what I meant. Uh, and rookie wide receivers usually take some time to make an impact, even the really, really great ones. If you owned Calvin Ridley last year, like I did, for example, you were waiting out the first several weeks of the season for him to really make any sort of fantasy impact. And he was a player taken really high in the draft that they yeah. really liked in a great offense that throws a lot. The Seahawks are not going to throw a lot. And when they do, a lot of the target share is going to go to Tyler Lockett. So to me, he's somebody that is, again, is an upside play late. I'm fine with him once you get into the 11th, 12th, 13th round. Uh, he's probably going to end somewhere around right receiver 53-ish for me in my latest rankings that come out tomorrow. Again, I'm fine taking a flyer on him, but somebody in your league is going to grab him way earlier than you should, and you really shouldn't feel bad about it. All right. The other piece of news that I wish we didn't have to talk about, but we have to because it is – it is the song that never ends. It is the drama that never ends. It is the Antonio Brown show. And I say that on purpose because he absolutely loves the fact that everybody in the NFL community, everybody in the fantasy community is talking about him nonstop. Because even after we saw him all jovial on the sidelines with Gruden during the game against the Cardinals over the weekend, he doesn't show up for practice. He's not at camp. Mike Mayock talks to reporters on Sunday, says, listen, we need Antonio to either be all in or all out. And that statement is a strong mm -hmm. statement, okay? This ain't the Pittsburgh Steelers no more, Antonio. I knew this was going to happen. Mike Tomlin covered for AB a lot. John Gruden is not Mike Tomlin. Mike Mayock is not the Pittsburgh Steelers organization. This is much, much different. Now, of course, Monday morning, AB's all happy, back at practice. But this is a nightmare from a fantasy perspective because any day AB doesn't feel like doing what AB doesn't feel like doing, he's not showing up for practice. He's not. Is he not going to show up for a game like he did in Week 17 last year? I, I don't know. Your guess is as good as mine. I will not be drafting Antonio Brown. I'm telling you right now. Yeah, he's not going to be a guy I'm, I'm taking anywhere. I've dropped him all the way down to wide receiver 17 for me, which means I won't be getting him in any draft. He's going to go in the, among the top 10 guys even with all of this. Uh, to me, like I'm looking at the, if that this tier three, which which I'm going to have, and you'll be able to see this tomorrow on thedraftnetwork.com if I continue to keep plugging it like that. But it goes from wide right receiver eight to seventeen. It starts with Keenan Allen, Mike Evans, Stephon Diggs, Thielen, Edelman, Cooks, Hilton, Cooper, Woods. All feel a lot safer taking one of those guys than I take Antonio Brown, despite his talent. Despite he was a guy that was ranked inside my top eight when the season when the early early in the preseason began. I just can't take him. He's too risky. He has taken games off before, and that was in Pittsburgh 
on a team that was good. What is it going to happen on this team, which I don't think is very good? Uh, I just – he's not somebody I want on my team. There, there, there's – again, if he's falling all the way to this point where he's in the fourth or fifth round, then sure, at that price, you're already getting him at a massive discount. It's not going to happen. He's pretty much off my board. I'm yeah. just not going to take him. He's off my board, meaning I'm not drafting him in the one, rounds one through three, right? Yeah. Because I know that that's where he's going to get taken. So if he gets taken, if he's like he said, if I'm in my I'm in the fourth round and I've already gotten two running backs yeah. and a and a different wide receiver and AB's there, yeah, sure, I'll probably take him in the fourth round, knowing that when he plays, he's the best wide receiver in the NFL. But the amount of stupidity that we're dealing with already which we thought we would at least get to the regular season yeah. before this happened, is very concerning. Mike Mayock's statement was very telling. Okay. Yeah, the team doesn't come out and say that no. very often. No. and, and that They means, leak it to somebody in the press, but they don't say it like outright on camera. No. You're all in or you're all out. The very, very strong statement. And the stuff with Antonio Brown is very concerning. So draft him at your own Peril. I want to get in before we get to our our big takes that we have. We have fantasy takes, and we have uh, we have our obviously our NFL takes overall. I wanted to get into a question that we got tweeted to us at the Draft Network, right? So you can or at our at our TDN Fantasy account. So if you want to send us questions, we're going to have a mailbag show where we just do questions, mm-hmm. but. Each and every week, we can get into a couple of these. So this one comes from Zach. And please do Myers. tweet at us, by the way. Yeah, we love seeing this stuff, and we can answer some of this stuff on uh, just on Twitter. Yeah, as I mean, well. there are a few loyal listeners that have DM'd me in the last few weeks, just asking fantasy questions, trade questions. I, I we strongly encourage that. Yeah. we want to be interactive for sure, and uh, there will be more of that happening throughout the season. So this one comes from at Bears LB sixty five Zachary Myers. How should the injury uncertainty of Luck affect the evaluation of Marlon Mack? So, first here, so I don't change it that much because I feel like there are positives and negatives for Marlon Mack when we're talking about this situation specifically. Uh, he is still my number 17 running back at the moment. Uh, I expect the Colts to run a little bit more if Jacoby Brissett is their starting quarterback, uh, and I expect the box to be stacked more. So I think those two things together where the volume goes up but maybe the efficiency goes down, that Marlon Mack should stay relatively in that range as a mid-level RB2 for you. I would be more concerned if I own T.Y. Hilton. I'd be more concerned if I own Naeem Hines. I'd be more concerned if I own one of their two tight ends, whether it's Jack Doyle or Eric Ebron, Though, or if I own a, a Devin Funches. But again, you're probably not starting Devin Funches in week one or two. That's probably a bi-week guy for you. Uh, so to me, it's more of Hilton's value takes a hit and Naeem Hines' value takes a hit. I'm not really moving Mac down. Like, if luck was out for the season, I would consider it, but... For a couple weeks with him getting more volume and less efficient, I think it's all going to kind of work out to that happy medium there as a mid-level RB2. Yeah, and we're also operating under the assumption that Andrew Luck's going to be fine. He's going to play, um, you know, this injury might – he's a tough dude. He's going to play unless it's very, very badly injured. Um, and if it was the shoulder again, sure. I would feel differently, right? This is this is something different. If it was his, the same shoulder, same issue, that would that would concern me for different reasons, but I think when you look at Mac, you, you look at him and you evaluate him exactly like Jamie just said. He doesn't catch passes, like at all, no. like period, end of story. No. So it's it, it limits his downside. If you're if you're a heavy pass, like if you said Drew Brees isn't playing, yeah, different story I'd be a lot more concerned about Evan Kamara. Yeah. But yeah. like it, it's, it, it's just the way he plays his game, he's going to get his. They're going to run the ball more. And that offensive line is still there. Yes. They have a very strong offensive line. They ran the ball effectively last year, and that's not going to change no matter who the signal caller is. Uh, let's get into the fantasy uh, ones first here. So our fantasy bold predictions, and then we have some just NFL bold predictions. So, Jamie, I'll let you go first here. What is your first fantasy bold prediction? All right, so should I come hot out of the gate or should yeah, I go with the Yeah, hot, hot okay. right out of the gate. Patrick Mahomes leads the NFL interceptions. I love it. That's my big one. I uh, love it. What does that mean for fantasy? Probably that he won't be the QB1 at the end of the year, but even if he is, he's not going to have this wide margin between him and everybody else, which is what we're saying. Still my QB1. Uh, but people forget what the profile on Patrick Mahomes was coming out. He's a gunslinger, and that for good and for bad. The NFL is going to adjust to him somewhat. That doesn't mean he's going to be bad, because he. We, I do believe in his talent. But he's going to have some struggles, and he is going to throw some interceptions. We started to see that toward the end of last year. Like, he had a real period in that first half of the season where he wasn't turning the ball over at all. Then we started to see a lot more turnovers, even with the production, late in the season. 
it doesn't take that many interceptions to lead the league now. Now, no. a full season of Jameis Winston is going to challenge him because Jameis is going to throw his, regardless. Yes. But uh, I, I think Patrick Mahomes could flirt with 20 picks this year. Yeah, Patrick Mahomes will throw for fewer than 35 touchdowns. That's mm. part of that's my – That's the big touchdown that's regression. That's the big touchdown regression that we talked about. It's happened to everybody. It yeah. happened to Peyton Manning. It happened to Tom Brady. This it isn't happened a Mahomes to Aaron thing. Rodgers. This is just a reality thing. And, and that's – so it fits right in with – that was one of my – actually one of my NFL bold predictions, but it fits right in with fantasy where as, as we continue to get towards the beginning of the season, I'm going to update my rankings because I do not think – as much as I – as much as I love Mahomes, right, he's going to end up in that top tier. I don't think he's going to be QB1 at the end of the year. The problem is is who is. And I, I don't think yeah. we know that right now. Andrew no. Luck's dropping down. I love Aaron Rodgers, but we have yeah. to not – and he's my number two quarterback, and I think yeah. they're both in that tier one together. Yes. But, you know, Rodgers has a long injury history. Yep. And Watson has concerns with his guys that are – And an injury history. Yeah. And all his receivers are hurt. Yeah. I love Deshaun Watson. I think he – if all his if, – if Fuller and Kuti and Hopkins were all healthy – I think Deshaun Watson might be my like low key favorite to finish as a QB one, yes. the QB one next year. Yeah. But there's a lot of questions with all of those guys now. Yeah. So, no. but I, I I think the turnover machine's coming to, to Kansas City. All right, I like it. All right, Jamie, go ahead. So my other one, I'm gonna go. Uh, well, one, let's get this one out of the way because yeah. I, I we've talked about this at the show. And it's nauseam. on both of our lists. I'm sick of hearing me saying it, but I have to say it because the market and the industry hasn't adjusted yet. Jack Doyle outscores Eric Ebron and finishes as a top 10 tight end this year. Yep. That's my bold prediction. Uh, I have the same bold prediction. Jack Doyle outscores Eric Ebron. For those listening at home who want a little statistics behind here, I have I have, I have, have a wordy statistic, but I'm going to lay it on you. There were 270 flex players who had at least 19 touches, 19 touches last year. Of those, the highest percentage of touchdowns per touch belonged to John Ross at 28%. Only five players cracked 20%. Only 14 cracked 15%. In games Doyle was active last year, Ebron touched the ball 19 times and scored eight. That means his percentage was 42.1%, absolutely blowing that number, okay? So what meaning here is that there is absolutely no way he's going to continue to score that number. It's not going to happen. And when Doyle was out, Ebron scored six touchdowns on 50 touches. That's also very good. Over the full year, that 12% rank would have him ranked 25, 25th. But it's just, it's a ridiculous number. And as we well know, when Doyle was active, he outsnapped Eric Ebron by twice as much. Yeah. It's, the, the numbers behind this are just, it's just how it is, guys. There is, when you're talking about 28% was the highest at John Ross, only one player. And Ebron was at 42%. Yes. It's not happening. It's not happening. I look at Eric Ebron like we looked at Cameron Brait two years ago, where he has a high chance of catching a touchdown in the red zone, but if he doesn't, he's not playable. And I think that's what Eric Ebron is going to be this year. When he catches a touchdown, he's going to finish in the top 10 tight ends because that's all you need to do to finish among the top 10 tight ends. But those are going to be fewer and far between. And he might have a two-touchdown game. And you go, oh, man, I wish I had him on my team. And then he's going to have a two for two catches for 17-yard week. And you're going to be like, oh, that's why. Yeah, I'm glad we got that one out of yes. the way. All right, Jamie, continue on. Whoever wins the Miami slot job, whether it's Stills or Wilson, I think it's Stills right now, but we'll see, will outscore Kenny Galladay this year, who is Woo! going in the fourth round of fantasy drafts. Big like on this bold prediction. Uh, I'm, I'm all about it. I got a number one. for you. Ryan Fitzpatrick targeted the slot receiver more in the last couple of years than any quarterback in the NFL at more than 26% of total targets from Ryan Fitzpatrick went to the slot. That – now – I think Ryan Fitzpatrick's not starting the whole season because they, if you listen to anything Brian Flores is saying, they are desperately giving Josh Rosen any opportunity to start. Yep. But I do think Fitzpatrick starts early in the season, and I think if he does and he puts up numbers, it's going to be a while before they can sneak Josh Rosen into some of these games. I think that Miami slot role is going to be a really strong fantasy scorer this year, and I'm kind of down on Kenny Galladay. Okay. Which will, which goes into my next bold pick that we'll that okay. I'll do after you. All right, all right. I I love that one. My next bold pick is that Jameis Winston finishes inside the top five fantasy quarterbacks. So my statistics behind this to back this up: Winston does not have to be as good as Ryan Fitzpatrick was last year to finish this. For people noting, in 2018 fantasy season, if you added Fitzpatrick and Winston's numbers together, it would have added up to 393.6. 
second best to only Patrick Mahomes, okay, from last year. The upside is there. The coach is there. The system is there. The players are there. The gunslinger is there. All the same things we said about Mahomes, they're all the same things that exist for Jameis Winston. And I like their offensive room a lot more. I like the coaching staff just as much. Mm -hmm. Winston is going to throw the ball. He's going to throw for a bajillion yards. And if you just take what he did, what he and Ryan Fitzpatrick did last year in a lesser offense, mm-hmm. they would have been the second best overall quarterback last year. So I think the statistics show he can be a top five guy. They're also going to be more balanced this year, which is going to help Jameis Winston. They're not going to be able just to sit back and play dime quarter coverage on him the entire the entire season and make him throw into double coverage. Interceptions are going to be there. It's part of his game. But I think also the touchdowns are going to be there. He's going to be more efficient. This Again, he's also in a contract here. He's playing for his Buccaneers Play life. For money. They don't owe him anything after this year. There's nope. nothing that they owe him. He has to prove that he is going to be a star in this league, and he has to do it this year. I love that. He's my QB5 going into the season right now. I've dro- I dropped Andrew Luck outside of my top five just with the injury concerns right now. But I, I like that pick a lot. I think he's going to have a really strong year, and I think he's still going underdrafted in most leagues. Yep. All right, James. What's your next one? Well, just to piggyback on my last one, that Marvin Jones outscores Kenny Galladay this year. I've been saying the Detroit Lions wide receiver I want is Marvin Jones, and particularly at their ADP right now. Marvin Jones is going like two rounds later. Uh, He's the guy that I really like this year. Matthew Stafford has targeted him a ton. I think he's going to have a lot of success in that role, and I think Kenny Galladay is going to be very, very boomer bust, but is getting picked as if he is a legitimate top 20 wide receiver every week and I just don't see it all right my next one here with more stats to back myself up Todd Gurley finishes as a top five fantasy running love it this year love it the number five running back in 2018 was Ezekiel Elliott he scored 331.331.1 PPR points last year that's excellent it's also roughly 40 to 50 points better than the number five back had scored in any year in the last decade So you can roughly say that 300 points is about a top five performance, right? Gurley, who has led the league in PPR points each of the last two years, averages 26.1 points per game in that time. That would be 417.6 points over 16 games. 300 points in a season is 18.8 points per game. In other words, you could cut Todd Gurley's per game numbers down by almost a third, and he is still a top five running back. Feel free to not draft him. I will be grabbing him and be very, very happy. Continue to buy into the Daryl Henderson hype. He's my RB4 right now. I love Todd it, James. I, 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 I've come back on this, and it's based based on that. He has been so – people have to understand what he's coming down from. He has been so unbelievable over the last two years that if he loses, as you mentioned, a third, a third of his production, he is still a mid-level RB1. Yes. Still. So let's give him that. If you think he's going to miss eight games, then you're not drafting him anyway in the first round, and, and you don't care. You've already stopped listening to Todd Gurley stuff. He's look. He's had an arthritic knee since college. This isn't new. I know no. everyone loves to scream this word now, like arthritic knee, and like <laughs> like it's Halloween. Ooh, yes, it's a factor. It's yeah. a factor for Sony Michelle too. We've talked about him. Yeah. But they both had this for a while, so you have to know what they're coming back from. This is not a new injury. He was way more hurt. Things would have been so much easier if they just said Todd Gurley is hurt last year during yeah. the postseason and didn't play him. Mm-hmm. If this whole mystery is what's caused everybody to freak out. If they just said, yeah, his knee's messed up, he's not going to play, and he's going to get healthy in the offseason, we would be treating him like, I don't know, Dalvin Cook right now. Yeah. Right? So, to me, I am after the big three of Saquon, Kamara, McCaffrey, I'm probably going to take – it's a debate for me. Do I take Todd Gurley? Oh, by the way, I've dropped David Johnson way down my rankings. You'll have to read about that uh, tomorrow on the draftnetwork.com. But – to me, then, it's the debate is, do I take Todd Gurley or do I start with one of the Devontae Adams, Julio Jones, Deva- uh, DeAndre Hopkins era there? But I like Gurley a lot this year. Look, he's they're going to take him off the field certain times, but they're not going to take him off the field in high-leverage situations. They're not taking him off the field for Malcolm Brown at the goal line. They're not going to do that. They'll take him off in the middle of the field. They'll probably play some series where Daryl Henderson is playing mostly or Daryl Henderson's playing the passing downs. They might take Todd Gurley off the field for some third downs. That's not the end of the world. And that's why I've talked about it. I like Daryl Henderson's value, but not for the reason everybody's drafting Daryl Henderson. No. They're drafting him because I think he's going to be the starter for the season. I'm drafting him because I think he can be their third down back on an offense that throws a ton and is prolific. Yeah. I had a feeling I I'd love get Tiger. you. Yeah, I'd have a feeling love I'd get Tiger. you on this one, especially because I've been getting a lot of my friends. I've been getting a lot of people on Twitter hitting me up, asking me about Todd Gurley. 
uh, just had Brad Kelly from the Draft Network reach out and go, hey, I'm, I'm here. What do you think about – so he's going he, – he kept McCaffrey in the second round, got Todd Gurley in the first round. You got McCaffrey and 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 and, and Gurley. Yeah. Yeah. Sign He's me thrilled. up for sign me up for those two. The highest ADP I see on Todd Gurley right now is on Fantrax, which is eleventh overall. Yeah. Thank you. And I'm taking him somewhere between four and eight. Yeah. In my draft again, I, if you want to take one of the three big receivers, safer. Totally. Totally yeah. understand it. Love all three of those guys. Love Adams. Fine if you take him there. But he should be going in the middle of the first round. And he's going in the second round, early second round of a lot of these drafts. If you're picking on the turn and you're oh, getting Todd Gurley, yeah. I'm, I'd be thrilled with that. Absolutely. All right, James. What else you got for me on your bold prediction? Okay. Here's a, here's a big one. Oh, boy. Neither Saquon, Kamara, McCaffrey, David Johnson, or Patrick Mahomes. None of those five players will finish as the number one player in fantasy this year. Woo! Ooh, I so the, like cons- it. the consensus top four picks and the number one quarterback off the board, none of them will finish as the number one in fantasy this year. Interesting. Any any enlightenment into who you think that'll be? I just think there's too much risk there. Um, I think I think Todd Gurley's got a real outside shot at it. I know everybody hates that. I think Dalvin Cook, if he stays healthy for 16 games, has a big shot at it. And look, I think Aaron Rodgers has a real shot. If, I agree. It's, this is about health because if, if I get 16 games of Aaron Rodgers, I think he outscores Patrick Mahomes this year. Even, I agree. With, even with 16 games of Patrick Mahomes. I agree. If I get 16 games of Todd Gurley this year, I think he's the number one. I, I think, think he's, he's the number one running back yeah. in, in fantasy. I agree. If I get 16 games of Dalvin Cook, he's in the conversation. Mm-hmm. So to me, I'm going to bet, I'm going to take this upside on one of those three guys stays healthy. Saquon's offense still scares me. He's still my first player off the board, but it scares me because yeah, I hope no, I'm not n- number one overall pick. no running back has finished among the top five RBs on an offense that finished in the bottom ten. It just doesn't happen, and that offense is going to be bad. I love Kamara. I think he's the safest option. He, but I kind of have to throw him in here to be bold. Yep. Uh, McCaffrey. I don't think he's going to lose a lot of goal line touches, but when you're at the very top here, losing even twenty percent of those touches could be enough to make you just the number three overall or number yep. four overall player in fantasy. David Johnson, I'm out on. He's he's I'm not drafting him. Yep. Like he's he's way down my board. Uh, and Patrick Mahomes we've we've talked about extensively. So again, I would put this at a probably twenty percent chance. They're supposed to be bold, but these are all within the realm of possibility. Like yeah. I would if you gave me a bet right now at let's say, I don't know, plus five hundred that none of those guys finish in the top top one or two players, I'd probably take that. I like it. I like that. I like that there's a certain name that's not on there that I know you and I both love. He's not in camp, but I have a feeling that the Mr. Ezekiel Elliott could end up being if I number get, one. Well, guy. yes. If we get 16 games of Zeke, he's number one, and he would be my number one player off the yeah. board. We've yeah. talked about this. And it's weird because my two of my top five players are not in camp right now. Yep. Elliott would have been my one. Melvin Gordon would have been my five. Yep. And they're both neither, – who knows? Neither one is there. All right. What else you got on your, on your fantasy list? Josh Jacobs will not – Lead all rookies in fantasy points. Woo! I like this one too. I'm on board with this. Uh, there's actually one I talked to part of the coaching staff in Oakland. Uh, I don't want to say not great things, but he's been okay. He's been okay, which is that's, not that's that's how well, that's what I feel comfortable reporting. Like it's it's they're they're okay with what, but they haven't been overwhelmed, and he hasn't been up to par with what they were kind of expecting. So take that for what it's worth. Uh, listen, he, he's just kind of been mad. He's outside my top 20 running backs right now. He's number 21. I'm fine taking that risk. But, you know, I look at Daryl Henderson having, again, his third down role. I'm looking at Daryl Henderson from that. When I talk about him, please understand, I'm not talking about him taking over for Todd Gurley. If that happens, then sure, sky's the limit. But I'm talking about him as playing that third down Austin Eckler, Chris Thompson role in the Rams offense. I think he's got a sh- shot. If he if he he hasn't looked great on the ground, but he's looked really strong in the passing game this preseason. He catches seventy balls. That's a lot. It's a lot. But if he does, he's going to be in that conversation. If Miles Sanders does what Jake thinks he's going to do, and it's yeah. really just about whether Doug Peterson commits to him or not. Yeah, and if he's not completely splitting carries with Jordan Howard, he's got that option. And I've been talking to you about. I really think. You could the back half of the season. Justice Hill could be the starter in yep. Baltimore. I think he's a better fit there than Mark Ingram. They paid Mark Ingram. They can't get out of that contract really for the next two years. But I think Justice Hill could step into that role and have a lot of success. There are a lot of options there. The rookie running back. I'm not paying the super premium for Josh Jacobs right now. If you can get him outside the top 20 running backs, sure, and take that chance because he's going to have a lot of opportunity. He's highly skilled, but he's a player I think I'm going to like more in year two and year three than I am as a rookie. Do you have any more fantasy-related uh, bold takes here? I have, a f- I have a few, actually. All right, let's go I have more, yours, more fantasy I, than the NFL ones. Okay, because I have a few NFL ones to get into, but let's finish with the fantasy So ones. I brought up Mark Ingram. 
Latavius Murray outscores Mark Ingram's fantasy total from last year and this year. That is a bold one. I like that one. So I I think Latavius Murray is going to excel in that role. He's a really strong goal line back. Uh, I love what New Orleans is going to do on offense this year. As I just talked about my concerns about Mark Ingram, I'm not – he's a better – he's a better player today than Justice Hill. I don't think he's a better fit by week eight. Yeah. And I think there's a good chance he loses a lot of those touches there. And if Gus Edwards and Kenneth Dixon and those guys can have success in that offense, Justice Hill is a lot more talented. So, uh, I, and I also want to see marking him away from Sean Payton. Yeah. I want no. to see, can he, is he still this 100%. player? Was it, was he a system player? I don't know yet. I'm not saying he is. I'm saying there's a chance that he is. So I, I really, I'm really high on Latavius Murray this year. You're also getting Latavius Murray for under the assumption he's going to play all 16. You had Mark Ingram last year. He mm-hmm. sat four games. He still ended up being a top tier guy. So you already get the plus four column for Latavius Murray going into yep. the season. So that's helpful when you're looking and evaluating him from a fantasy perspective. All right. right. I've got three more fantasy ones. Okay, let's okay. go. Let's roll through them. Another guy I've talked about. I think Geronimo Allison finishes as a wide receiver two or better. This I like year. this one too. Uh, I, I brought up the stat that was that uh, I believe Mike Tagliere of Fantasy Pros brought up that slot targets are worth 11% more on average in fantasy than any other targets. Geronimo Allison is going to be the major slot guy there. Uh, I don't think he's necessarily coming off the field in two receiver sets either because he can play outside. He played yeah. outside all of last season. Yep. So I think he just moves in when a Marquez Valdez-Scantling comes in on three three and four wide receiver sets. I, th- I, get, I talked about I think the Packers are going to run uh, throw the ball a lot this year. I think that's part of the reason why Jamal Williams is getting talked up so much because of his pass blocking. That he's going to be on the field a lot more than Aaron Jones' owners really hope for. I like it a lot. I, yeah, I, that I, like, receiver, I like it too, James. That wide receiver two in that offense is going to be really strong, and I think it, Allison's going to have by far the most uh, most targets not named Devontae Adams. If you're buying into Aaron Rodgers as the top tier wide receiver or top tier quarterback going into the season, you have to assume that there are going to be multiple people that eat. And if you are not buying into their running game, then you can't just buy Devontae Adams. You yep. got to buy other people around him. And I don't buy Jimmy Graham. I buy Geronimo Allison and Valdez Scantling and Devontae Adams. I see. think there's room for all three of those guys in that offense. If I if I am to continue to assume that Aaron Rodgers is running the offense, which he is running the offense, yes. he's going to throw the ball. And Geronimo Allison is going to see a lot of open because Devontae Adams is going to be, get the number one guy. We mm-hmm. know that. Devontae Adams is going to eat. Okay. Oh, well, yeah. Like, let me be very. He's clear. my number one wide receiver. Yeah, but I like Geronimo Allison a lot as well. Allison, I have him at number thirty-two for me. So yeah. I mean, I'm I'm really really high on him. Yep, I like him a lot too. I like him a lot too. All right, what else we got here? So two more. I'm gonna stick with the wide receivers for a second, and I'm gonna go back to my bold uh, my takes from a couple episodes ago. Hunter Redfro leads all rookie wide receivers in PPR Love points. Love it. Big fan. I have massive one. concerns about Nikhil Harry. I've talked about now even more. I know we didn't mention the Josh Gordon stuff. We'll talk about that in a second, but. Uh, Josh Gordon being back there only hurts his value more because Josh Gordon can actually have success in that offense. Um, now you have DK Metcalf that's hurt. AJ Brown's in a terrible scenario. Marquise Brown's in a terrible scenario when he's hurt. All of a sudden, Hunter Renfro in the slot there in Oakland with AB maybe playing, maybe not playing. You know, we'll see. Derek Carr is petrified to throw the ball downfield anymore. He's just absolutely petrified. I think his depth of target last year was one of the lowest among starting quarterbacks in the NFL. That's great news for Hunter Renfro. I think he's going to be the guy in the middle of the field. So I'm going to take a bold prediction there that he could be the guy that can catch a ton of balls and in PPR formats is all of a sudden going to be sneak up there. And he's a lot, I think he's going to be safer if he's, again, if he wins that job, he hasn't won it yet. He's in the lead, but he hasn't won it yet. If he wins that slot job, I think he's a safer option. Maybe he doesn't have the same upside, but the safer option than Metcalf or Harry or Brown with the Brown brothers. Yeah. He's, listen, very well liked already developing chemistry because Antonio Brown hasn't been practicing with Derek Carr. All of that is good news for Hunter Mm -hmm. Renfro because he's been seeing a lot of targets. He's been getting a lot of reps. And listen, we know he can succeed in the biggest of situations. Yes, he can. So does his coaching staff. All right, James, what's your last one here? So we've talked about the big three tight ends a lot this year. Travis Kelsey, Zach Ertz, George Kittle. My bold prediction is only Travis Kelsey of those three names finishes among the top three tight ends. I like this one, too. I like uh, this one, too. I have some concerns. Again, I still have Kittle and Ertz ranked two and three. But I have some concerns about Ertz's target level. Even he's come out and talked about, yeah, I'm not going to be targeted as much. You have Alshon Jeffrey back there. You have J.J. Arcega Whiteside that's having a really strong camp. Uh, it's I'm excited about what they have there in Philly, and I think some of those targets are going to go away. Kittle's a little bit banged up right now. We haven't seen his chemistry with Jimmy Garoppolo yet. There are a lot of wide receiver options there. 
I think, again, we're talking about the next tier that could spike in. I mean, Everton Ingram's going to get a lot of targets. It's not very efficient, but he's going to get a ton of targets. OJ Howard is a physical freak, and if all of a sudden that Tampa offense goes nuts, he has a chance yep. to go nuts as well. And I love Hunter Henry. Yeah. I think he's going to play a big role in that offense. Now you have Keenan Allen's a little bit banged up a little bit. You know, Mike, Mike Williams is going to be great, but Mike Williams isn't going to get 120 targets. He's going to get 90 targets and be very productive with them. But that ball's going to go somewhere else. Hunter Henry's got no other competition in the middle of the field right now. That's why I've talked a little bit about Travis Benjamin. I like both those guys a lot more than consensus. So only Travis Kelsey finishes him on the top three. I buy into this one. I, I buy into this one as well um, for all the reasons that you just said. I'm, bu- I'm buying the Hunter Henry, uh, I want to say. I don't want to even say hype because really the only tight ends you're really hearing a lot about is the three we just mentioned. And I know what I'm going to get from Travis Kelsey. I would yeah. never predict that he's not going to be in that level. But the other two, there are concerns. Uh, there's concerns with that entire San Francisco 49ers team in general in offense. So uh, People take, give that team a pass with that I don't for understand. Whatever, for whatever reason, maybe because it's Shanahan that's there or because we're all in love with what we saw two years ago from Jimmy Garoppolo in a very, very in small four games, sample like... size. I, I, I'm not really sure. Uh, all right, NFL bold predictions just from a just from a non fantasy lens, Jamie. Uh, what do you have for me? Uh, I think my big one is that I think three teams in the AFC West have a winning record all right. this year, and that, and my Broncos love has been talked about considerably, yep. but I, I do think the Broncos, Chiefs, and Chargers all have winning records, and I think it's going to be an exciting and maybe the best division of football because the Raiders are going to be exciting because they're going to be terrible in a train fire and. All the stuff with AB, and so I think that might be the most exciting division of football. Yeah, so let's stay in that division because I am predicting the Chiefs do not win that division. Uh, and I almost, I'm, I was so toying with saying that the Chiefs don't make the playoffs. Uh, I, I'm, it's close for me. It's close because I'm predicting that the Chargers win the division, and I think the Broncos are going to be right there with the Chiefs. Uh, but I, I think if I, I was real close. Because their defense, I just has major, major concerns. But I don't. I think they're. I think they will be a, a wild card team. But I do not think they win the division. So when I looked at my teams, right, this is what I did in the preseason. I had both Denver and KC finishing at nine wins for yep. that final playoff spot. So that's going to kind of depend on at tiebreakers at that point. But I think it's going to be a competition. I think people are sleeping on Denver. I think I saw. Uh, let me see what the current. I, I, I'm going to keep bringing this up because I think I saw the current odds. If you want to take a long shot, because it's really tough in the NFL. It was like 50 to 1 on their Super Bowl odds, right? Yeah, but I mean, even, very, but very even for, you know, just for the season. Um, oh, their win total was So do they make low. the playoffs? Yes, plus 350. Yeah. So 3.5 to 1. Yeah, return like it on a yes for Denver like that. It's tough to find that kind of value in the NFL just because that's the most bets. It's the most betted on sport, and the books know everything about these teams. That's the one value there. Again, the Lions, who I think are the worst team in football, are plus four hundred. Yeah. So they're saying the Denver. They're basically those odds are saying they think the Denver Broncos win like five games this year. I, yeah, I think. I, I just think they're wrong on this. Yeah, one. I think they're wrong on that one as well. There's always one or two. They're always wrong on one or two. Vegas is usually right on pretty much everything, but there's always one or two good value picks, and and that is definitely one of them. All right, Jamie, what other NFL bold predictions you got for me? I, I to me, I also think that they're going to be a team other than the Patriots with a winning record in the AFC East. Ooh. I think that I think the Jets can flirt with nine wins. Okay. I think that as much as much crap to talk about them for fantasy because it's still Adam Gase's offense. I think the Jets the Jets have a cakewalk. Yeah. I'm going to look at their schedule again here. The Jets have a cakewalk of a schedule. Yeah, they do have a very easy schedule. That division in general, uh, as we've talked about, I think the Patriots come in at a bottom five from a from a uh, the the hardness factor. They look at how, how difficult your schedule is, and the Patriots are in the bottom five from difficulty, which is an absolute travesty. The, the goal with the Jets is you're going to have to get to late in the season because okay. it, it could look bad at start. Because they're going to – I mean, they get the Bills at home week one. They should win that game. You know, the, the Browns come in. That's okay. a tough game for them. That's a primetime game. Browns should, shouldn't have been imploded by week two. Um, then they go at the Patriots, at the Eagles. Okay, you, you, so th- this team could start one and three, and you're like, oh, Jamie, you're an idiot. But then they have home against Cowboys, which may or may not have Zeke, home against the Patriots, at Jacksonville. But then they have this stretch here at the, end of the, at the back half of the year. At Miami, home Giants, at the Redskins, home Raiders, at the Bengals, home Dolphins, at the Ravens, home Steelers, at the Bills. Yeah. They could easily win. Was it one, two, three, four, seven, six, seven? Yeah, I, like I mean, they that. can go easily go seven and two in their final nine games. Very so good. This stretch. might be a team that flirts. That be a team in the middle of the season. Maybe their odds are going to make the playoffs are going to be really low because they're going to. I mean, they could start out 
two and five, maybe. Yeah. And then go I, 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 I would I would jump on them at that point when everybody's okay. given up on them. All right. My, but those are my two. Uh, my next bold prediction, which I think Jamie will agree with, is the Pittsburgh Steelers win the division. I am not buying the Cleveland Browns hype train. I believe the Cleveland Browns will be a wild card team, and I am not counting out Ben Roethlisberger, Mike Tomlin, Juju Smith-Schuster, James Conner, and an entire staff that has proven year in and year out that that division goes through Pittsburgh. Sorry, Cleveland Browns fans. I think that the team takes a step forward, but a step forward, let me remind you, is to just make the playoffs. Have a winning record. I don't, the dramatic from uh, zero wins two years ago to five or six wins to a 12 and four team is pretty unrealistic. Yeah, we typically see a progression in the NFL of teams that ha- when they get to the Super Bowl or when they win a Super Bowl, there's there's a line that they have to keep crossing. They yes. rarely just go from a six-win team to Super Bowl contenders right away. I do think both the team makes make the playoffs. I think it's going to be really close between them. In the preseason, I had the Browns down for 11 wins and the Steelers for 10. So, I mean, it's going to be that close throughout the season. But I agree with you. I think people are sleeping on the Steelers. Uh, I, their defense is going to be improved. Again, they didn't lose Le'Veon Bell. Le'Veon Bell wasn't there last year. To continue to remind people about this, that, that that that's not a net loss from the season ago. Yes, they lose Antonio Brown, but maybe you're kind of starting to see how that could be a relief from the human standpoint of playing yeah. football. They'll have him not in that locker room. I think they're going to be really good. There's a lot less pressure on them, which I think is good. The Steelers have had a ton of pressure on them for the last decade. I think that's going to be really good for the team. I like that. Yeah. Uh, my last one here is I don't think that the Rams win the division. I am picking the Seattle Seahawks to win that division. And I have a boatload of statistics to back it up. I will not spend 25 minutes going through this on the Mm. podcast, but I'm going to put a thread together that will back all this up. I, I read a, I read a bold prediction this morning that one of the major NFL reporters is predicting them not to make the playoffs, which I'm not ready to say they will, they will be in the playoffs, but the Super Bowl hangover is reared. Te- teams that lose the Super Bowl, they're, it, it's for 20 years the only team that's the outlier. I'll give you one guess. The New England freaking Patriots. So Because they're in it every year. Unless, the you think that they're they, Bama. unless you think that Jared Goff and company can be exactly like New England, you have to expect that they will take some semblance of a regression similar to what every other team that loses the Super Bowl does. Now, I'm not saying they're going to miss the playoffs. I just don't think they're going to win the division. The problem is, is I can't give the Seahawks this division. That I defense agree. I is know. a I disaster. Know. I know. That's I, the worst. This is the worst Seattle defense in 20 years. Yeah. So I, I listen. I, I just can't do it's it. It's the boldest of the bold of my Oof. predictions. It's bold. It's bold. Uh, I, I can't do it. I think they're going to be like nine and seven, and the Seahawks are going to sneak at ten and six. And can't, I do, yeah. can't, can't ever can't count, do that. I can't, can't, I'm not can't on that ever, train, but that's, I love ever, it. Can't ever count out my guy, Russell Wilson, top five quarterback in the NFL still. So that's, that's the last of my, that's the last of my NFL predictions here. It's a bold one. That's a good one to end on. Yeah. I, listen, I, I read this morning and I was, I, I'm getting all the way through. I was on, I was on fantasy pros. I read a little bit about it. Pro football focus has some really strong statistics about teams that lose the Super Bowl. Yeah. And they predicted them to not make the playoffs, which I was like, I can't. I was like, this is bold enough. I can't yeah. go that far. But I will tell you, the team, other than the New England Patriots, in the last 20 years, the team that loses the Super Bowl, they all fall into this trap. Yeah. And they would be the outlier here. I so, think they can be with that. And that, that team is supremely talented. And But – Again, I don't know if I'm picking them to go back to Super Bowl. I think no. they can still win that division, mostly because I don't believe in the Niners. I guess it depends. If you truly believe that the Cardinals are going to be three or four wins better, the Niners are going to be three or four wins better, and that Seattle's just as good as last year, then yes, you have to take some wins from the Rams. I don't believe any of that to be true, and I yeah. think that's that's the concern here. Yep. Yep. But I do think it's going to be a crowded NFC playoff picture. I, I think we're going to be dealing – there are going to be nine-win teams in the NFC that are sitting at home for the postseason. Yep. And I think particularly the ones in the NFC North. Probably. Because I think you have three winning records up there as well in, in Chicago, Green Bay, sure. and Minnesota. And all three aren't making it. No, no. It's going to be really hard when you're looking at a lot of these teams and you're predicting the NFC. You know, you're looking at the NFC South. We like a lot of those teams. You know, at the, at the end of the day, you can't – not everybody yeah. can make it. And No, I mean, look at the NFC East. Like, what, what are we doing with Dallas right now? I thought that was a 12-win team, but none of their yeah, players are in camp. 
and uh, you know Philadelphia is good. Like you're starting to watch. Like this is why I talked about the Denver bet. Yeah. I think the AFC is wide open. Yes, I New going to win 12 games because they don't play anybody ever, and they're going to get a bye, and we know how this works. But it, it starts to get shaky there. Where like I like the Browns, but they're going to be the dogfight with the Steelers all year. I like the Chargers, but Keenan Allen's hurt. Melvin Gordon's not in camp. I think the Chiefs take a step back a little bit. Jamie, All of a sudden. If you remember the first year Bruce Arians coached in Arizona, they won a big Week 17 game against the 49ers, and they won 10 games, yeah. and they missed the playoffs. Because the yeah. NFC West was so stacked, and the NFC in general was so strong. It reminds me a lot of that year where I'm looking at a lot of the teams, and I'm going – not every team can be this good. Not every team can have a winning. And even if they are, even if they all yeah. do elevate to that point, like they did where a 10 win football team missed the playoffs. That is, that is very similar. Like I like the bucks, but I, I think that a nine and seven team in, in the, in the yeah. South is probably going to probably not going to make it guys. Uh, even an eight, like an eight and eight team, it's not going to cut it this year in the NFC. You're not going to make the playoffs at 500. It's just not going to happen. So seven teams in the NFC had a winning record last year. I have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight teams with yeah. nine or more games this year. Yeah. And only six only six last year won nine or more because of the Packers eight, seven, and one. So yeah. that's a winning record. But only six teams last year had nine or more wins in the NFC. I have nine teams. Yeah. Nine. That's why that's what eight, I'm sorry. One, two, three, four, five, six, eight. I have eight, eight teams. Yeah. That's so what I'm saying. somebody's going to be disappointed. Stacked. Somebody's going to be a nine and seven team and be on the outside looking in. Right now I have LA, Chicago, Philadelphia, New Orleans, Dallas, Green Bay, Minnesota, and Seattle. Yeah. With all with nine or more wins. Yep. That those are all all realistic. Somewhere between like nine and eleven wins. I think they're all gonna be there. Yep. So that's it's 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 gonna be a fun year. Um The number one seed in the NFC might have eleven wins this year. I think yeah. that this could be a weird year like that. Yeah. Where you have a bunch of eleven and five teams that are all kind of fighting it out and like one nine win team that sneaks into the wild card spot. Yep. That's pro that's probably pretty realistic to how this year is gonna shake out. We are what, about two weeks away from kickoff? Yeah. I mean we're, we're this Thursday five days away from college. Yeah, five days away from college. By the way, I love the Arizona Hawaii over. Get ready to I'm ready to be hurt again. <laughs> ready for Pac twelve after dark. Ready ready uh, for week zero action. Yeah. On the uh, island. Ready ready for Miami versus Florida. I know that. Uh, ready Jamie, for the first half under. Yeah. Uh, before we sign off, yep. let's talk briefly about Josh Gordon. Yes. Um, Ooh, so yes. I tweeted this out yesterday. Uh, he is my – or tweeted whenever it was. Friday night. Feels like it was yesterday at this point. Uh, Josh Gordon's my number 30 wide receiver right now. I have him just behind Walk- Sammy Watkins and A.J. Green and just ahead of Jarvis Landry and Geronimo Allison. He kind of ends that tier of those mid-guys for me, which you'll be able to see on Draft Network tomorrow. Uh, I'm encouraged by him being – reinstated he has shown in that brief stint with new england last year that he can be pretty productive when he's been on the field i think some of his production has been overrated a bit i think people are taking smaller and smaller sample sizes of like whoa when he was on the field for this many snaps and was on the field and was this he would did reality was he was a 10 fantasy point per game player when he's been on the field for new england all things considered and i think you have to understand with this player all things have to be considered. Yes. So I'm not taking him in. I've seen him ranked as high as number 23 or number 24 among wide receivers. I can't do that yet. There are still many proven options. But he is somebody I'm comfortable taking as a flex play or a wide receiver three if you play in three wide receiver leagues and saying there is some upside here. Um, I think it's just, this to me is just bad news for Nikhil Harry lovers that it's just yes. not going to be. Again, I, I issue alum, love Nikhil Harry. I'm, this hurts him a lot. I don't 100%. think this takes away from Edelman. I don't think this takes away from, from anybody else on, on that offense or James White or any other pass catchers. But this is good for Tom Brady. You know, you shouldn't draft Tom Brady, but somebody's going to because this is how this works. But this is he should be a guy that you feel comfortable with in that spot. So if you're sitting there debating between, you know, Landry or Allison or like DJ Moore who I'm lower on or, you know, so some of these guys that are going way above their ADP like Christian Kirk, although that's starting to correct a little bit, I would take Josh Gordon and take the shot on him there. Okay. I I am in total agreement. I think Josh Gordon, there's a lot of people obviously get excited. I'm I, the my caution is be wary of those statistics that Jamie's talking about because we're getting to a lot of qualifiers where everybody starts putting in a certain amount of snaps in this certain situation when the when the when you're when in the this, sun's down yeah, and I mean it's it's almost ridiculous how many how many different opportunities he gets to showcase that he's great. I, I think listen, the talent is there. If he can stay clean and keep himself on the field, 
you know, he's going to have opportunities in this offense. He's just not going to be a wide receiver one. If you look at the times he's been on the field the last couple of years, so post, and again, it hasn't been a lot. There's 17 total games in the last two years he's been on the field. He's been like an average like 9.7 or 10.0 fantasy points per game uh, in half PPR format. So that's what you're thinking of. He's probably, you, you have to look at him as a 10-ish point per game player that has upside to spike into wide receiver two territory if he has a big game. So think of him like that. Don't think of him as the player he was five years ago. By the way, how long ago was that now? It's been a while since Josh Gordon was – So – Just just for context. Six years. Yeah, guys. 2013 was that that's that 87 catch, 1,600-yard ninth six years ago. Yeah, that's – That's an eternity. Yeah, that's a really long time. Nobody else gets that kind of grace. He's almost had more suspensions than years at that point. Like, yeah. it's just – it's Yikes. There's a lot of risk here with him, but there's some upside. Again, we talk about the strategy I talked about earlier in the show. If you are weak at wide receiver, target guys like this. That's why I have them right next to A.J. Green. Yep. Uh, these, these are guys that I'm going to – because basically we're baking in a three-game injury span for A.J. Green. I could bake in a three – Maybe that's a wrong use of word for Josh Gordon, but it is what it is. <laughs> a three-game suspension for Josh Gordon oh, at some point. Although I don't think it's three games. If he gets suspended again, he's gone. But I think you have to measure that risk in some fashion. High upside player. If you're weak at wide receiver, don't reach. Yep, I am in agreement. Uh, guys, if you want to send us questions to the show, you guys can send those to at TDNFantasy underscore on Twitter. You can find us on Instagram at TDNFantasy uh, comment, leave us reviews on Apple. We super, super appreciate that. We're working on merchandise. So if you screenshot a review that you've left for us on, on Apple or Spotify, I will make sure any of any of the platforms, I will make sure you get merch when we have it. Jamie, how can everybody follow you on your account? Follow me at Jamie Eisner on Twitter and at Jay Eisner FFB on Instagram. And you guys can follow me at the underscore sports page with an eye on both Twitter and Instagram. Make sure to check out all of our content on thedraftnetwork.com and rankings every Tuesday, draftnetwork.com. Check them out. Happy Monday. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.